This week, we are reviewing Halloween, starring Jamie Lee Curtis and Judy Greer. This is a direct sequel to the original 1978 film, which this one rendition features Laurie Strode as she comes to her final confrontation with Michael Myers, the masked figure who has haunted her since she narrowly escaped his killing spree on Halloween night four decades ago. I'm Philip. I'm Becca. And I'm Jeff. And this week, in our fourth chair, we have our local horror movie expert, Colton. So welcome, Colton. Thanks for having me. And you're listening to PB&J at the Movies. All right, so this week we are taking a bit of a break from our Oscar binge (laughs) um, pre-Oscar season um, spotlight to uh, review Halloween just in time for Halloween. I would like to say that I'm very proud of Philip for seeing this movie. Philip does not. Philip typically shies away from scary movies. Typically, so. I do, yes, it's been. A, I've taken a little bit of a sabbatical from scary movies, but I did my homework. I watched um, the original Halloween from nineteen seventy eight, and then the next night saw this new one. So that was good. I would definitely recommend seeing the original first yes. if you have not. Which I think probably gives you an interesting perspective. Yes. Just seeing the original and then this one, which is the direct sequel. Yes. And missing everything in between. More or less, you're seeing it as it's intended to be seen. So yes, because Colton, Kurt, help us out here. This is, we're dis- disregarding the 12 other movies that have come out in between. <laughs> I believe it's okay. 18. I, I feel like your numbers are a little over. I mean, okay. 12 is a little more accurate, but, but yes, okay. you're correct. It ignores... Everything but the very, very first one that came okay. out in 1978. So we've had 40 years um, for Laurie to prepare <laughs> for this confrontation with Michael Myers. What did So what did you think of it, Philip? Yeah, um, I will say, um, having just watched the original the night before, um, I thought the original was much more scary. Um, I thought this one was predictable at best. I don't know. <laughs> you would be right. Um, yeah, I agree. But maybe I'm new, I'm new to the genre. So <laughs> For sure, yeah. So that maybe, I felt like the other one, it was like, and especially I'm, I imagine 40 years ago was like crazy just with the, we talked earlier about the dread and the buildup and how he just appears and then leaves and nothing really happens, but he's just always there looming. Yeah. Um, so I felt like this one... There was, it took a lot more kind of backstory with podcasters and stuff. (laughs) Shout out to the podcasters in the movie. But it just felt, it took a lot more to kind of build into like, oh, this is a scary movie. Right. Um, I have to say, I had a lot of hope for this movie. I'm a huge horror movie fan. Um, But I was a little disappointed. A little disappointed. Um, I thought it started off very strong um when the two podcasters are you know go to the um what is it hospital institution um to meet michael myers and there was it was very intense scene um so you know that kind of got me excited that part was in the trailer um but then i thought it was kind of a little slow and and i think some scenes um 
were pretty scary, but overall I, I thought it, it, um, was not as terrifying as it could have been. Jeff, what did you think? I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I thought it was very entertaining. Um, it was predictable, but I didn't care actually. Um, I thought there was a good bit of comedy in it, which I enjoyed. Um, I did have some issues, which I'll talk about later when we get into spoilers. Um, and one of them is, has to do with the podcasters actually, but, um, overall I really, really enjoyed it. Colton? Uh, so as a, as a fan of the series, I, I really liked it. I, I definitely would not say that it is my favorite sequel that has been offered up. Um, but I appreciated the, uh, different look at what could be, what could come from something. I really like the idea that um, what it offered up as far as Lori uh, and her journey from what happened in the original one. I liked it, ultimately. And, and you've seen it three times? <laughs> yes, I've seen this one okay, three times. Okay, this yeah. one. The new one three times. So okay. We, no, weren't, we weren't lying when we said <laughs> this is bringing in an expert. I'll probably here. go see it again. <laughs> okay, okay. So, super fan. Yeah. yeah, I think I appreciated the humor in that it was really, really funny. I, I felt like halfway through about what there's a scene and she's with a, uh, one of the characters is babysitting a, a guy. And it was just it was really funny and it wasn't taking itself too seriously um, until it, it kind of did. And then it until just changed. And, and it, was, oh. it was definitely one of the more intense scenes yes. in the movie, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. So they, they probably could have... Uh, they probably could have built on that a little bit more, but they opted instead to make it a little bit more humorous, which I was a little bit disappointed in, to be perfectly honest, but I still enjoyed it. I loved the humor. Julian, the child that was being babysat, yeah. is my favorite character in the whole movie. Yeah, he That's was funny. He was definitely great. He was definitely... Because the, in the original Halloween, the kids that they babysit are... I'm like, oh, man, I would... I mean, I mean I've, how many of you have babysat? I did feel like if I'm if I am being super critical amidst the humor, I felt like halfway through they're they're at a school dance and I felt like there we, we couldn't quite find our footing as mm-hmm. is this a horror movie? Is this <laughs> this could have been a scene from the perks of being a wallflower? Yeah, it felt like, like teen very story. teeny bopper and I just was like, is that to kind of cater to the younger audience or are we just I don't know I felt like it, it lost its footing I, a little bit and I was like whoa this is a Halloween movie I thought the role of the granddaughter's boyfriend was really unnecessary I don't think it added anything to the story um, it was a plot device to get her phone thrown in whatever that was <laughs> cheese dip or punch or whatever I don't know what it was it doesn't even matter and to get her like off by herself where she wasn't with him but you could running from Michael Myers that was the, that was the plot device they used yeah, yeah there's there so many which we're getting into spoilers right now okay okay sorry, <laughs> sorry. sorry. well that was my fault no okay well yeah I guess that's true um, one thing I appreciated is uh, there were several similarities between the original Halloween and this one. Um, one of them being the opening shot with the uh, zoom-in shot of the pumpkin um, was was very reminiscent of the first movie. And I also found that it was interesting how 
it starts with a decaying pumpkin and kind of rebuilds itself. Yes. Uh, very symbolic of how he's back. Yes. You know? <laughs> Surprise. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that pumpkin started as rotted and it kind of rebuilds itself. And the credits, like, stylistically are the exact same as the original. Mm-hmm. And even though this one is ignoring it, also of Halloween 2, mm-hmm. the original Halloween mm-hmm. 2. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And I kind of took the pumpkin symbolic of Laurie, too, how she has been through so much. I mean, she, at her core, is a rotten pumpkin after all she's been through. <laughs> and then she, she's, she spent the 40, these past 40 years building herself back up to her full potential to prepare for this moment. Right. So, that's absolutely that's, true. I think there is maybe... I think that's more insightful than what I have. No, double meaning in the the regenerating pumpkin. Where do we put PTSD? Yeah, but I really doubt that that's what they were thinking when they did that shot about Lori. I don't think that's what they... I mean, maybe. I don't know, but I doubt it. Some other... other, uh, Well, I guess I should wait until the spoilers and to talk about the other similarities. Yeah, to, because like, this whole movie is pretty much a spoiler. So, <laughs> yeah. if you're listening feel, and you haven't seen it you yet, I feel like if you've seen the original, if you've seen a <laughs> well, horror movie in true. general, there's not going to be a ton of surprises for you. I hate to say it, but that's true. So we're getting into spoilers now. So go away if you haven't seen it. There were a couple of scenes where, uh, one scene where uh, Lori's granddaughter is in school and looks out the window Mm -hmm. and sees her grandmother Lori uh outside of the window was reminiscent of the first movie when uh Lori is in school and sees Michael Myers outside the window more than that yeah I love that the discussion in the classroom was about had to do with fate ah and in the original one same thing Okay. And what you may not know is that the, the voice of the teacher is actually uh, the voice of a woman named PJ Souls, who played Linda in the original Halloween. Okay. Wow. I did know about PJ Souls playing her in the original, but that's interesting. Um, and then skipping towards the end, uh, the scene where uh, the struggle between Michael and Lori and Lori yes. falls out the window and then Michael gets distracted and looks back down and she's not there anymore um, was also reminiscent of the first one. And so it was very interesting to see how the roles have kind of been reversed and Lori has kind of turned into the hunter. Hunter. Yeah, so. I think a, a few of the, the, the problems I have with the movie would just be technicalities like um and i guess uh, for i've seen the original and this one and that's all that exists in the universe right now because we're supposed to disregard all the other sequels but like why when you're transporting this prisoner a why are you gonna do it on halloween night why are you gonna do it 40 years to the day and why are you gonna do it in a glorified school bus with no police escort, we're why, just asking. Why are you going to transfer him in the first place? He's obviously very secure in his in his first place. Because and then, why, if, <laughs> if, okay, but if he is so dangerous, why transport him on the same bus as all of these other patients? If they are so concerned about this man, why did they not have, like, throw him in the back of, like, a... Um, 
I don't know, whatever those cars are that transport money or armored whatever. Car. Yeah, armored car. Thank you. An armored car or something, you know? To be, to be fair, though, that they think he was dangerous because 40 years of, of nothing. Like, after that, I'd be like, he's just there. If you've, if you've got him cha- on a chain in the middle of a courtyard, like... Him and, he like, has, how many I other people? I work in a state hospital... No one is in chains in our facility. But I'm saying... Where we have people who are who have killed people and they're there by reason of insanity. Right. So obviously that was to build <laughs> suspense yes. and terrify you. However, if they have you chained in the middle of a courtyard... <laughs> That's true. You're right. You, you they know he was dangerous. <laughs> and he has this doctor who we can talk about oh who was God. obsessed with him. So he Not was obviously... Dr. Right. This was... a. Doctor who apparently studied Sart- under his name Sartain? Sartain, something like that, Sartain. who studied under Doctor Loomis, um, and so obviously he is a special case. So I don't. That was my first yeah. big question: is why was he transported? And he even mentioned that he made a special request to the University of Illinois to be able to study him longer. Right. So yeah. Okay. Right. I see. I see. And then, spoiler alert, once he's loose, on Halloween night, in the hometown where these horrific murders happened 40 years ago, like, why are you not going to send some police out so the, to barricade the street? Yeah. I don't know. And, well, and the sheriff made the comment, like, what are we going to do? Cancel Halloween? Me and my 14-year-old friend Dylan were like, yeah, obviously, that's yep. what you're going to do. You do that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, that one happened in Little Rock in a second. Yes. Probably, right? For sure. Yes. Yeah. So those were my main grievances with with little plot points, I guess. But And then one, at one point, they this is kind of more towards the end. Laurie, they're going back. She's like, I have to get back to her house. This compound, essentially, she's built over the past 40 years to trap Michael Myers. And she leaves with her daughter, but not the granddaughter. Because she lost her phone at the dance, and she, I don't know, I just thought, and what, case, what and like, they were just like, okay, let us know if you find her <laughs> while they go. I just, that didn't sit well with right. me. Obviously, well, the granddaughter ended up being a tough girl that could take care of herself, but. Even though she ran into the woods instead of running towards the cops. That's what I said. Stupid. That was my last, my last thing, was well, why would she not see the lights? And like Philip and I talked about. Did they about, have lights on though? Yeah, they yes. Did. There yeah. were no sirens, but they were flashing. Yes. While he was talking about that sandwich. They did. They did. Yes, they it's did. struggling here, guys. Yes, they okay, did. Okay. I remember all that. Right, all right. So well, another thing that Philip and I talked about on the character of Lori Strode is she obviously has PTSD. She has been preparing for this one moment for the past 40 years. She has barricaded her house. When we finally get to the scene where she's at her house, um, Philip and I talked about how, why would you not have something like, Philip mentioned like an open floor, con- like an open concept house where it's basically just one big room, maybe a chair, <laughs> nothing for him to hide yeah. behind. Not 40 mannequins to hide from. Not 40 mannequins closets. with blood on them. Not a bunch of closets. Um, maybe turn on the light in yeah. the room if you're looking for him. So all of these things she's prepared for, and I just found that really hard to believe that she still... It should have been, 
he should have been killed in the first minute sure. that he was there. Sure, and the obvious answer is they had to make a reference to the closet scene right. in the first one with right. the sliding doors. I got that. Yeah. I mean, so logic but aside, they had to it do just, they had For to do. somebody who's preparing, who's been preparing for this for 40 years, she seemed very... While there were things that you could tell she had done right, she seemed very unprepared to so me. So what, what I will say as a fan and also as a redneck... Is ah. <laughs> that is that what you're saying? Like I can definitely agree with because like if I was her, I'd been on the front porch with the gun. Like come at me, like don't right. even come into my house. Like don't even lure him in. Yeah, no, like I'm done with you. I don't have don't have glass life. panes on your door where exactly. he can bust through them and choke you. Which makes no sense, by the way, when everything else is so secure. Yeah, she had yes. glass in the door. Yes. And I thought she had this big fence to her driveway that you couldn't get in. So, yeah, so how, how did, did the that, granddaughter? How did the, the granddaughter get in? And, yep. How did Michael get in the cop car? So that's a good question. I just that's a really good question. I have not thought about that in the three times I have seen. I it. just that was the biggest part of the movie. Yeah. her preparation for this do one think, night. Do you wonder because she obviously wanted him to come in? Do you think maybe she just opened it? Yeah, the gate? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, the comment of, I've prayed every day for 40 years that he's released so I can kill him. That's may true. lead to that happening. It seems like she could have fortified her house better, though. So, so I thought Jamie Lee Curtis, I thought she was great. I thought she made the sure. movie. Uh, I love her. I thought she did a great job p- portraying this lady that has been through horrific things and is still struggling 40 years later with I those, to get that. over that. Yeah, um, yeah. the um, portrayal of PTSD by Jamie Lee Curtis I think is really good. Um, I think that's a good portrayal of that. That's probably where my agreement with the mental health issues in this movie stops, um, which is one of the reasons I shouldn't like it. Also, and this is probably a small thing, but there's no way that a psychiatrist is going to bring two podcasters in to talk to patients at the state mm-hmm. hospital. I was like, have we not heard of HIPAA? Like, yeah, <laughs> that would never happen. And I leaned over to Philip at the beginning of the movie. I'm like, what is going on? That would never happen. I work at a state hospital. We don't do that. Yeah. They were stupid. I was annoyed that they were like British. That was just was like we hate the British. <laughs> oh, I was <laughs> just like, this is just so typical. Like throw in a couple of British accents, and I mean, I was I was done with it before. I will say, luckily, we didn't have to put up with them for long. It's yeah. lead up to I think the best, most suspenseful death scene of the movie for me, which was the bathroom. Don't even get me started on the bathroom scene. I was thinking this is something that Clark and I, Clark is my husband, everyone, talked about on the way home. Is I do appreciate that there's three generations of women who blow him up in the end. Spoiler alert. Yes. However, this stupid British podcaster woman in the bathroom, she has a crowbar in her hand, and I do realize there are. There are times in people's lives where they are so they are so afraid that they are paralyzed with fear. I understand that. But she could have opened the door and run out and saved herself. Yeah. 
Or she could have opened the door and hit him with a crowbar in the head. But instead, she stayed in the stall and just cried like a weak woman like Hollywood always portrays women. And then both of them are dead now. And I just, I really, I, I get, that is one of my biggest pet peeves is when Hollywood portrays women as weak where they run up to the bad guy and they go, meh, meh. And then the bad guy just flings them away. So let's but later in the same movie. What, let's just explain again what you just did because that was a very visual thing. <laughs> this is a when, podcast. When the female goes up to the bad guy and <laughs> lightly punches him or something. Yes. In the podcaster's defense, she was <laughs> taking... She was in the middle of using the bathroom and some man drops bloody teeth over the stall. I don't know how I would react. Okay, but while she's bashing in, that while he, while Michael is bashing in the head of her partner, she could have gotten up and gotten no, out. No, yes, I'm with absolutely. you. Absolutely, yep. That, yeah, if we had really, if she had needed to be a part of the story, she could have made it out. She I had think. a crowbar in her hand. <laughs> okay, the part that I like about it, though, is I think it was inventive to have someone in a very vulnerable position. And then, like, right. the way she was, like, crawling under the stall. I think it was just very creative and very suspenseful. So, my biggest issue with the movie was, had to do with the psychiatrist, um, who turns out to have boundary issues with his patient and has identified with him and doesn't realize when he's killing all these people that he needs to be killed to be stopped from doing that. And then, once he thinks that Michael is dead, he puts on the mask (laughs) and puts the dead body in the back of the police car. Yep. With a person that Michael has been stalking and trying to kill all night. No, not all night. Well, part of the movie, sorry. For like a second. Did he know that he was dead? I thought he was putting his fingers up to Michael's nose and I thought he could feel him breathing. He said that he was dead. But I don't think he really meant it. I I think that he wanted... He wanted to safeguard because of his obsession he wanted the the cop to keep from attacking him because if he had said like oh he's still alive the cop obviously would have pulled out his gun and shot him that's true i think he knew that he wasn't dead because i think when he kept putting his fingers over his nose i think he could uh feel him breathing breathing. And, and that's why he wanted to like preserve the body however what was the significance of him putting on the mask Nothing. Just because, like Other you said, he wants he to identify us. He identifies with him, and he has formed an inappropriate relationship with an unhealthy boundary with the patient. Right. That's why it's significant that he does that. And everybody that I've talked to, especially the group that I saw this for the first time with, were at at that point, especially my friend that I was mentioning earlier that is as big of a fan as I am, when we saw that, we were kind of like, Nope, this is gonna go down a horrible path, mm-hmm. and and we were like, this is this is a horrible plot t- twist, and I can't, you know, not surprising, but I can't believe that they're doing this, and and then luckily it didn't last for very long. 
Yeah, that's true. I felt the same when I, I was like, oh, I was like, I don't like this, the way this is going, and then they, they turned it around pretty I, quick. But I thought the character of Dr. Loomis was much more believable as a doctor in that he has this mild obsession with him, but... <laughs> it's more than mild. Well, compared to the doctor in this movie, though, I would say it was mild. and But he still realizes that he is a huge threat and realizes that, I don't know, I thought it was much, that doctor was more um, relatable, I guess, and... Likeable. Likeable, sure. yeah. yeah. So, as a psychiatrist, you have to realize you have two, you have, like, dual roles. You have a role and a duty to the patients that you're taking care of, correct? But psychiatrists also have a double role and duty, and that's to protect society. Which is why we have to report if someone says that they're going to kill someone else. We have to report that to the local authorities. And we have to let the person that they said they were going to kill know as well. Like, that's one of the reasons that you break confidentiality if you're a psychiatrist. So... Like, the fact that he's not doing that means he's breaking his role and not, and breaking boundaries. And I just don't like that because we have seen through cinema the... This is one of my things I'm passionate about. We've seen the role of the psychiatrist go from being, like, this fatherly figure, very paternalistic, to kind of the bumbling idiot who doesn't really know what he's doing, to recently, more in recent years, starting with, like, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest turning into the villain character. We see that time and time again. You've got Nurse Ratchet in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. You've got, she was a nurse. <laughs> oh, yes. You've got uh, Hannibal Lecter, who's a forensic psychiatrist in Silence of the Lambs. You've got the psychiatrist in um, American Horror Story, Asylum, who turns out to be a terrible killer. There's It, it happens over and over again, and so it's just a big pet peeve of mine. Um, so that was my major issue with the movie because the, I also think that was unnecessary. Yeah, it was so it's very off-putting and it almost made me completely lose interest in the movie. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, it didn't last for very long. Yeah. Um, then his face gets to me. Doctor Doctor Loomis was in Halloween four, five, and six. Mm. So it, you get to for me having seen all of them multiple times. Mm-hmm. Like Doctor Loomis to me is a very likable guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, very misguided, I feel like. I feel like like I would want to do more with my life than just what he's doing. But mm-hmm. um, Does Michael kill Dr. Lemus? No. So that's also telling because Michael doesn't give two thoughts about killing this psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I mean, he tries. Oh, he does. For sure, yeah. But okay. he never is successful. Mm-hmm. I had a question for Jeff. Being, me being new to the franchise, like... The movies I've seen were given no backstory at all on Michael other than when he was six years old on Halloween night, he kills his sister. What are your thoughts on just, like, are we just to assume he is evil? Or, I mean, are we supposed... There's at no point that you have any inkling to why he's doing no this. Or, or you're in his head as to, like, oh... So I just wondered your thoughts. So if you look at the original... With John Carpenter and the original story that he wrote, they didn't want you to have backstory on him because it it makes it more mysterious and more, why did he do it? And that's kind of the suspense of the original. I think that leads to it because we don't know. Well, I think it, yeah, and it makes it scarier. Yes, it does make it scarier. Um, but usually when someone does something like that, especially at six, 
there have been horrible things that have happened that lead to that. Okay. So I'm sure if they were to explore that, there's going to be some kind of trauma that he has been through, either physical abuse, sexual abuse, something of that nature, something terrible, or severe neglect where you don't develop any attachment or empathy for people. So, I mean, that's where that's going to come from. But I think the fact that they don't show it makes it scarier. No, I agree for sure. And we just kind of take it for what it is that he's just this psychotic villain. It also is bad for just a mental health perspective because you never want to think that people are pure, just evil for no reason. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what we try and do is understand why people end up how they are. So then you can maybe change things. Yeah. Well, and I've always been curious how Michael chooses... Who to kill and who not to kill. Apparently this was the first movie that he killed a child. Yes. Um, but then there's one scene where he kills a mother in a house. But then there's this baby that's crying and he walks right past the baby. Uh, in the scene where Lori's granddaughter is stuck in the back of the cop car with him. He chooses to, even though he is right next to the granddaughter... Mm-hmm. He chooses to kill the doctor first, and the granddaughter escapes. Uh, He doesn't kill kids who are trick-or-treating on the street on Halloween night. So I've always been curious, but he does kill like teenagers. So I've always been curious if there's a significance in the fact that he doesn't kill really young kids, or if that's just because Hollywood doesn't want to show that. I don't know. I mean, that's probably it. Well, also, he doesn't kill kids on the street because there's people everywhere. Like, he kills people in houses or the teenagers that he kills outside, he's the only one there. But why didn't he kill the baby? I mean, they showed, well, I guess other than Hollywood not wanting to show it, I was surprised that they showed him killing, you know, a a kid in this movie. But I guess... I guess that's the main thing is they just that would be crossing the line as even Maybe. for Hollywood standards I guess but well also they want it to be unpredictable because then it's scarier that's true if you think about No Country for Old Men yeah he lets a coin flip decide who's going to who he's going to kill and who he doesn't right that's true so that's scarier than just killing everyone because you already know mm-hmm. and what I struggle with 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 thinking about this as being a direct sequel to the original Halloween is why Laurie Strode? Like, what is it about her? When I think about the original one, the scene where she is dropping off the key at the Myers house because her realtor father is going to sell it and he sees her Mm -hmm. and then supposedly from there he just follows her the rest of the day. He knows what window to look at when Mm -hmm. she's in class at school. Like, Mm -hmm. Like, why her? What's the deal? I don't, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't get it. And and then to the idea that this movie suggests is that he waited 40 years. Everybody else is like, oh, he's been waiting for Lori. He's, it's all about Lori. Why? But, did, but one thing that Clark brought up on the way home was, was he searching out Lori in this movie, though? I, that's actually a really good point, and I don't know. Because, because he, he just so happens to be brought yeah, to absolutely. her house Everyone in else the end. Lets, everyone well, because the psychiatrist him. says, we're going to go to her house because he needs 
to, excuse me, he needs to, um, he needs her to have the passion to come yeah. back or whatever. But Something I, like but I don't think he sought her out in this movie. I, th- I agree with you. I don't think he did. I think that he was led to her, but I think that, I think ultimately like the trigger of just being moved from unknown location of 40 years to another led to something. I think the Halloween part was coincidental for whatever reason they chose to transport them on October 30th. Um, and then uh, it just so happened that all these people were like, oh, well, all these people being the one psychiatrist, like, let's see what happens when we put Michael and Lori together and, and whatever. And he was just there. Yeah. Which is, by the way, a psychiatrist would never do. Say, let's put the victim with the person who caused all of this trauma. Especially if he... You might do it if you're trying to do a clarification if... Michael Myers' character had actually gone through some treatment and realized, oh my gosh, what did I do? I'm sorry, and wants to clarify with the victim. But if that has not happened, you would never do that. That's not helpful for anyone in that situation. And I think that the the two podcasters that we've been talking about that mentioned to Lori towards the beginning about her meeting with Michael at Smith Grove, the, the mental hospital, um, and talking with him like that would have been interesting Mm. to see how that would have gone damaging sorry I'm thinking about from a it would have been interesting you're right but completely damaging what kind of closure could come from something like that none he's not going to talk he didn't talk and he wouldn't talk and he's not yeah Yeah. it would I think it would be hurt like lunging at him and I don't know Well, I I think it's hard to understand also from her perspective, like she was just babysitting some kid on Halloween night and he targeted her and her friends unbeknownst to her until she figured it out and then mm-hmm. you know like Which is why the original Halloween they wanted to call babysitter mm-hmm. murders, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Just he's a serial killer out oh, getting these babysitters. babysitters. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think anyone that willingly paid money to go see this movie is going to have a good time and is going to enjoy it for what it is. For sure. Well, that is a wrap on Halloween. Thank you to Colton for all of the history and trivia and for being our fourth chair this week. Until next time, you're listening to PB&J at the Movies.